Hello and welcome to another episode of T-Rex Talk. This is the podcast, the official podcast of T-Rex Arms. Uh, now, some of you probably are aware of this show, um, but you probably didn't know that it was a podcast. We're getting a lot of views of our weekly YouTube live streams. And, uh, well, actually, now that I think about it, we're getting a quite a few uh, downloads of the podcast. But this is the first time that we have advertised the podcast and uh, asked you guys to come and listen to it on Instagram and some of our other platforms. So this may be your first time coming across the T-Rex Arms podcast, which we wanted to wait until we had uh, just a little bit more of an understanding of what we were doing and some more archived episodes for you to go and listen to. And now we do. We have 50 episodes uh, that you can download right now. In fact, it's more than 50, uh, but I unfortunately forgot to count exactly how many there were before I started recording. So now most of those episodes are just the audio version of YouTube videos, YouTube live streams that we have been doing weekly. And uh, some of those, to be honest, work way better as videos than they do as uh, audio-only podcasts. For example, uh, one of my favorites was one where we hooked up a visual spectrum camera and an infrared camera together, and Lucas demoed different visible light flashlights, infrared flashlights, uh, visible lasers and infrared lasers, and you could compare the two on the two cameras. That was extremely cool to do. It's probably the first time that sort of thing has ever been streamed live on YouTube. It's still on YouTube, so you can go and check that out, but it, it, it doesn't make much sense as an audio uh, listen. However, there's other episodes that make more sense uh, in audio-only format. We've done uh, book review and uh, Second Amendment reading lists. Uh, those do not need to be video. Those are actually great to download and listen to. Some of our conversation about armor and helmets, uh, it, it helps to have visual aids, but some of the conversations about radios, uh, communication technology, um, those are pretty good audio downloads. So while in the past we have primarily been working on our video content, we do hope to lean a little bit more heavily on podcasting and produce more podcast-specific content. And there's a couple of reasons for this. The first is that uh, our podcast is kind of a backup plan. We believe that our time on YouTube is limited. In fact, we've seen a number of gun tubers get demonetized uh, just over the past month. Uh, we uh, are not monetized and haven't been for a while, but it's probably not a good sign that they're kicking advertising off of a bunch of uh, other YouTube folks. So we are we are preparing for that by figuring out other avenues and platforms where we can put our stuff. And one of the great things about podcasting is it is it's much easier to host your podcast yourself and your RSS feed yourself and and be free of some of those platforms. We've also been working on our newsletter. Uh, we've been pushing people to sign up for our newsletter so that when we get kicked off of various social media platforms, we still have a way to contact folks. Uh, and the podcast is a great way for us to continue to deliver content to people who want it, even after we potentially get kicked off of other platforms. Uh, and the other thing that we, we want to do is post some stuff, even, even while we still have access uh, to Instagram and to YouTube and to Twitter. We technically haven't been kicked off of Twitter. We just, uh, we just don't post anything there. There's, there's really no reason to be on Twitter. Um, but when, as long as we have those platforms, we're going to continue to use them. But occasionally we have content that we want to do that, uh, that isn't really allowed. Um, and so uh, a place uh, like our own website where we host exclusive content or a podcast, a much better place to put some of, uh, some of those types of content. So 
just as an example, some of the projects that I would really, really like to work on this year are some 3D printed guns. And I also have a couple of suppressors that I would like to make. And if I had the time, I would really love to build uh, a Ludi uh, submachine gun. Now, by the way, all of those projects would be completely 100% legal, but not allowed on YouTube. And I'm not promising that I will take any of those projects on, but if I do do them, uh, I would really want to document them and I would really want to share uh, lessons learned and, and so forth. So if, if we take on projects like that, we're going to be creating videos uh, and we'll, we'll post anything to YouTube that we can. But we are starting to move more and more exclusive stuff to our site. Uh, in fact, we even moved away from Vimeo. We did not get kicked off of Vimeo, but uh, some of our, our friends, uh, some of uh, the Christian ministries and political groups that, that we are friends with, uh, they did get kicked off of Vimeo. So we moved off of Vimeo to a different video host. Um, and we're, we're planning on doing more exclusive videos. But uh, we also want to do some more podcasting stuff. Now, the podcasting stuff isn't going to replace the videos that we want to make, but it is a much easier way to create content. In fact, right now, I'm actually sitting inside of my car. Uh, Charles and Chad did not have to set up cool lights. They did not have to set up the streaming setup that we use for our, our, our YouTube comments. And uh, there's nobody moderating comments right now, which is really, which is really nice. If you've ever participated <laughs> in the YouTube live streams, uh, you'll know just how uh, problematic that YouTube comment section to become. It's actually amazing to me. YouTube has created my favorite social media platform in the people who create YouTube videos, and also, at the same time, my least favorite social media platform, and that is the YouTube comment section and the uh, YouTube live chat bar that is next to live streaming videos is even worse. So we generally have to have a few people uh, moderating that even as we do the live streams. And so podcasting is just a lot simpler. It's a lot more straightforward. So we're going to try to add, uh, we're going to try to add more content to what we're already doing. And podcasting is a great way to do that, partly in terms of ease of use, partly because of the lack of rules and restrictions that we're running into on some of the other platforms, but also because it's probably a better platform for some of the uh, boring ideological content that I like to uh, dig into a little bit more. That stuff doesn't work as well on YouTube, and uh, it's not a great, you know, it's not a great fit for Instagram, and it's terrible for Twitter, part of the reason we're not on Twitter. Um, but uh, it works pretty well for podcast stuff. So, um, for example, I'm currently writing, and, and hopefully this, this uh, introductory podcast is not just a, a tease of what we're going to do next, but one of the things that I am working on right now is I'm writing a series. It'll probably be a video series, but uh, it'll work as audio. A video series on the history of the ATF. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be about eight parts. And as I've been doing the research, um, it's going in a direction that's probably not going to live on YouTube. It certainly will not be widely available on YouTube. It's the sort of thing that gets throttled or shadow banned um, so it's not going to go on YouTube. It'll be an exclusive YouTube video and uh, possibly show up on the podcast as well. But as I've been researching that, there are so many fascinating lessons and, and things to talk about. And uh, the since I don't want this to be a spoiler, I want to give you a couple of the main takeaways. Um, as I've been researching this stuff, there's, there's a couple of lessons that really stand out. And the first is... Um, when the ATF is started, uh, before it's even called the ATF, 
It is created as part of the Treasury Department uh, during the time of Prohibition. They create this, uh, this task force to try to enforce the Volstead Act, prohibiting the consumption, uh, manufacture, and possession of alcohol. And so right off the bat, you have an extremely problematic setup. I know that I overuse the word problematic. You have a deeply flawed assumption. You start off with the assumption that there is a social problem, which is alcohol abuse, and the best way to solve this problem of alcohol abuse is to expand the power of the federal government outside of its jurisdiction and use force, use the the long arm of the law and the force of the civil magistrate, the coercive force of government to not address the crime itself, but to address just a part of the crime itself. You know, alcohol abuse, to be fair, was a legitimate actual problem back then, but it wasn't the government's business. And even if it was the government's business to more proactively punish people who were committing real actual crimes while under the influence of alcohol, uh, that's not what they did at all. They tried to eradicate alcohol itself. And it, it set this prohibition in place. It set a precedent where we see a social issue and we assume that the government is going to fix it. And the way that the government goes about fixing it is making itself bigger and more powerful and then attacking a whole bunch of things that are tangentially connected to the problem at hand. And often that means taking on something that is physically impossible. So this idea of eradicating alcohol from the entire United States of America is a physically impossible problem for the United States government, especially in the year 1919. They had no possible way of physically enforcing this law uh, within months Organized crime people and regular bootleggers had vastly more material, vastly more men, vastly more money uh, than the entire United States government uh, enforcement guys. And so, as you probably know what happens, the government completely fails to control the trafficking, consumption, or manufacture of alcohol in any way, shape, or form. It is just totally out of control. In fact, Nothing has so rapidly increased the amount of alcohol that is made, consumed, and possessed in the United States as Prohibition did. Um, so even though that experiment is a complete and total flop, it is a complete and total failure on every single metric, and we, uh, we get rid of Prohibition and we make alcohol legal again, but a lot of those presuppositions uh, remain. So we keep a lot of those enforcement guys and they have learned some of the wrong lessons. Uh, and we keep this presupposition that if there is a social problem, like alcohol abuse, uh, maybe not alcohol abuse, but maybe drug abuse, the way that we handle that is by cracking down on a whole bunch of people who are only tangentially connected to the problem, using vast government resources that it has no business bringing to bear even though the problem is completely impossible to address in that way. And this is a legacy that the ATF has hung on to since the days of, of Prohibition. And so it is an agency that has been set up to solve social problems through force. And they are okay with taking on completely impossible goals, which means that they have to unfairly and unevenly and arbitrarily imply enforcement to essentially random or targeted people not 
every violator. So essentially what they have to be is they have to be okay with unfair enforcement or injustice. So we have a bureau that is part of the Justice Department that is intrinsically and unavoidably just okay with doing their job in an unjust way. And that's even ignoring the fact that, fundamentally speaking, their job is, in fact, unjust and a violation of human rights and the Second Amendment, etc., etc. So this is one of my my takeaways from the research that I'm doing, and uh, none of it is original research, and I, I really don't think that any of these thoughts that I have are particularly original thoughts. But within the gun world, this is something that we don't talk about a whole lot. When we talk about the ATF, we talk about the usual meme-level content. We talk about the shooting of dogs, and we talk about um, the horrific outcomes of certain things that the ATF has done. We talk about the scandals uh, of the Fast and Furious and the gun walking, and we talk about the incredible, uh, just, just incredibly horrific events of the Ruby Ridge siege and the Waco siege. And I don't want to sweep those things under the rug at all or minimize those things in any way, but I do want to look at some of the underlying issues, some of the underlying foundational problems with the way that the ATF was set up, the way that the ATF operates today, those presuppositions that drive the way that uh, the Department of Justice or the federal government, or uh, even just civilians, the way that we subjects of the government think about how it should solve problems. Um, I really want to dive into some of those things because I really do believe that that's the only way that some of this stuff will, will get addressed if we actually are able to think about it clearly and, uh, and not just spend all of our time pointing out uh, the terrible, terrible things that the ATF has done. And again, I don't want to minimize those terrible, terrible things. And I don't want to take them completely off the table while we examine the underlying issues. But I don't want to ever lose sight of those underlying issues so that we can talk about better ways of getting things done and uh, better ways of making sure that we don't uh, make the same mistakes in the, in the future. Another thing that is really, really frustrating and sad about researching the ATF, especially when you look at some of the more uh, recent activities of the ATF, like the Ruby Ridge siege and the Waco siege, you see something that is really terribly disturbing. It's kind of hard to put into words, but it is kind of terrifying to me how incredibly unemotional a gigantic, faceless, bureaucratic entity can be, and how easy it is to start the wheels of that gigantic, faceless, implacable, unstoppable, bureaucratic entity. It is actually more terrifying to me than the idea that the ATF and the FBI uh, are entirely peopled by malevolent sadists who just want to create as much problem and difficulty as possible for a group of people that they don't like. Yes, that would be a pretty bad interpretation of the situation, but in some ways it's more discouraging and terrifying to see it as a gigantic, uncaring operation that is so big that it really has no idea what it's doing until it's too late. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that is a better description of the ATF and the FBI and a whole bunch of different uh, organizations inside of the Justice Department. And one of the major problems that we have, and some of this goes back to the foundational stuff that I was talking about before, uh, those presuppositions that 
they will always bring force to bear on arbitrary groups of people whenever there are social issues, period. That's a terrible starting point. But when you build a gigantic bureaucratic entity, um, one of the things that that is built into most of these uh, investigative enforcement or uh, regulatory agencies is a system where almost anybody can start the ball rolling and very few people actually have the authority to stop the ball rolling. And in situations like Waco and Ruby Ridge, you have it compounded by a very tense on-the-ground tactical SWAT operation. And in those situations, you inevitably have a scenario where a bunch of people have a go button and almost nobody has a stop button. And that is how firefights always go. But long before uh, those situations got to that stage, there was still a gigantic bureaucratic enforcement agency that was set up in such a way that many, 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 many agents had the ability to press the go button, start wheels rolling, and almost nobody had any ability to stop the ball rolling, or any assumption that stopping the ball rolling is ever their job. That is the kind of foundational issue that is deeply, deeply disturbing and ends up being deeply destructive. And these are some of the things that I uh, am thinking about as I'm reading about this stuff, some of the things that are interesting to talk about with different people, because as we think about, let's say we were able to get rid of all the terrible gun laws, repeal the NFA, get rid of the ATF, etc. But if we didn't address this fundamental level uh, at the heart of law enforcement and justice in the United States. We would still have this issue with other agencies and with other issues and with other types of crimes and with other types of enforcement. And so it is really important that we go back to some of these fundamental issues and we come up with proper standards for defining justice and how we would go about uh, pursuing those things. And uh, I'm looking forward to having some more conversations about this sort of thing. Um, And I think it fits well into a podcast format. Um, Not to say that this couldn't be discussed in a video, not to say that it won't be discussed in a video, but I think it fits really well for a 20-minute podcast, which I think personally is about as long as I want to listen to a podcast, and it's about as long as I feel like I can talk about a single issue for before. Uh, I've already said everything on my mind, so I'd like to wrap it up just by thanking you guys for listening to this podcast, and um, I am really hoping that we are able to develop the podcast more as we pursue our goal of creating more content. So that's gonna be more videos and probably more exclusive videos on the T-Rex site and uh, more content created for the newsletter. We're gonna keep doing stuff on Instagram and YouTube, obviously, but um, we really need to be in better control of, of our own content and make sure that we have better ways of getting it to you. And one of the great things about podcasting is it is a pre, pretty decentralized system. We could very easily host our own RSS feed and our own MP3 files, and uh, it's pretty easy for you guys to figure out how to get those and use a, a podcasting app um, to make sure that you get notified when there is new content. So thank you so much for uh, being a part of everything that we're trying to do. If you've already watched YouTube videos, you certainly don't need to listen to them again as podcasts. But if you ever wanted to be able to listen to these things in the car while you're driving, have MP3 files to share with other people, hopefully this is an easier way for you to do that. And it is, it's definitely an easier way for us to make content. Now, one thing that's not easier is keeping in touch with us. Since we're not watching your YouTube uh, comments 
in the comment feed, that terrible, terrible comment feed. Uh, we're, we're not getting direct feedback from you on a per episode basis, but you can always email us. Um, the best way to do that is team at trexarms.com. That's the customer service team, our fantastic customer service team. And, uh, they don't actually know this yet, but they're about to get some feedback from you about the podcast, and uh, they will forward that to me. So let me know what you think about um, this podcasting format, and let me know what some of the topics are that you would like to cover, uh, especially stuff that is more suited to a podcast format. Uh, but of course, we'll take video uh, recommendations and stuff that you would like to see covered on live streams and demonstrated as well. But specifically, if you have content that you would like to see in a podcast or you have opinions on how long it should be, if you would have recommendations for guests that we should have conversations with, that was my original design and hope for T-Rex Talks is that they would actually be uh, multiple people talking and having a conversation, not just a monologue. But for some reason, uh, everyone is so busy that... It's usually only one person that talks on the podcast or the live stream. So feel free to let us know what you're looking for. Feel free to pass uh, this podcast around, share it with friends. I'm getting the impression that we're probably not going to have a lot of help from the big tech platforms. But for now, you can always find this podcast, however you found it. And you can always tell your friends to look for it on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Um, I don't actually know that much about podcasting aggregators and syndicators, but I think we're still on all of those. As of the time of this recording, we haven't been booted off of any of them. And then anytime we do get booted off of a aggregator or a provider, uh, we'll still be able to control our own server. We'll still be able to control our own media files. You will still be free to share those with other people. Maybe in the future, you'll be downloading our podcast uh, off of BitTorrent. Who knows what the future holds uh, when it comes to content delivery, but we are looking for ways uh, of creating content and getting it out to as many people as possible. So keep us posted on ways that um, you think that we can do a better job of that. And we will see you next week or possibly before. One of the things that we could do is maybe, just maybe, turn this into a more than once a week podcast.